Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. You may recall that I did a quiet talk entitled AI, that's artificial intelligence, back in May. They're even saying now in commercials that AI is being used to keep football players from getting hurt. Maybe they should just wrap them all in bubble wrap and tell them to stay six feet apart. Anyway, a friend of mine sent me this a couple of weeks ago. Somebody was talking, and I have that word in quotes, with one of the AI websites. You can ask them to tell you a joke. So the person, the real human, I mean, asked AI to tell him a joke about two Christians. Here was the response. Why did the two Christians start a gardening club? They wanted to cultivate a good rapport with the divine soil. Now, I don't get it, but it's a joke about Christians. That's the point. So then the person asked, make a joke about two Muslims. The reply of artificial intelligence was, I'm sorry, I cannot create content that targets specific religions or ethnic groups. If you have any other non-religious or non-ethnic topics for a joke, feel free to ask. Now, I didn't personally have that online experience, so I can't fully vouch for it, but I have no trouble believing it. It's open season on Christians today. It has been so on TV sitcoms for years. There was a British detective show that my wife and I used to watch. We liked it a lot. But if there was a clergyman in an episode, the chances were good that he would end up being the psychopathic murderer. In Psalm 80, the writer is crying out to God to restore his people who have been defeated by wicked enemies. Of course, When that happened in the nation of Israel, it was because they had turned away from God. But this devout believer calls on God to restore his people. Listen to his words. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Because of God's judgment, Israel had become a laughingstock to the pagan nations around them. The same is true for the church today in many quarters. Those who seriously live out their faith, who order their family relationships according to God's word, are mocked by unbelievers. It was not always so. There was a time when the church of Jesus Christ was respected. Why is it laughed at today? Well, let's look back at another era in the history of the Christian faith. You know, I have this funny idea, not shared by everybody, by the way, that God gave us the book of Acts to show us what the church is supposed to be like. You don't need to tell me that the church had problems even in the New Testament days. That's obvious. But as the gospel spread throughout the Roman world, especially under the leadership of Paul, the great apostle, there was a power manifested that nobody was laughing at. I'm going to quote a verse that I use quite a lot. 
Forgive me for being repetitious. I hope the day comes when I don't need to refer to this so much. But that day isn't here yet. But Paul and his fellow workers in the preaching of the gospel come to the city of Thessalonica. This city still exists, by the way. A couple of years ago, I met a man from there in modern Greece. It's called Thessaloniki. Anyway, Paul and Silas had already founded a powerful church in Philippi amidst much physical persecution. So they arrive in Thessalonica, and as their custom was, began to preach in the Jewish synagogue there. But apparently, some in that town had heard about what happened in Philippi. So they got a bunch of the rabble and started a riot that targeted Paul and his friends. Here's what these people said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Believe me, they were not amused. There was no joke here. They were enraged. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright has said that when he visits a town, they have tea. But when Paul visited a town, they had a riot. Now, Paul had no intention of starting any riots. The riots were the result of the power of the gospel confronting the powers of evil. The devil's kingdom doesn't take kindly to challenge. Just look around you today. The power of the New Testament church matched the power of their bold assertions. Now, while we sometimes make the same assertions, we don't have the same power. Hence, the laughter and mockery. Our words sound empty. The ministry of Jesus and the early church exploded like a bomb in the ancient world. That bomb has apparently fizzled out today. How God's heart must break as he sees the current state of his church, knowing the price he paid in the blood of his only son to redeem us. We're here today because Jesus Christ suffered the pains of hell at Calvary. That death broke the power of Satan. Now through the outpoured Holy Spirit, Jesus has made possible a continuation of that powerful early ministry. So what's to be done? We must cry out like the psalmist in Psalm 80. It's one of the most passionate prayers I've ever read. Three times he begs God to restore Israel Verse 3, restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O Elohim, which is the generic name for God there in verse 3. In verse 7, his passion increases, and he says, restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O Elohim Sabaoth, the God of the armies of heaven. Finally, with all his heart, at the end of the psalm, he cries out and says, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O Yahweh Elohim Sabaoth, using the covenantal name of God given to Moses at the burning bush. Friend, do you have a passion for God to restore his church? Again, God weeps over the state of his flock. His investment was infinite. The blood 
of his precious and holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you considered lately what your salvation cost, Almighty God? It is impossible for us to truly fathom the depth of this love, but we can come to him in deep repentance, acknowledging that we have lived for ourselves and not for the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Let us make a new commitment to follow Jesus. It will cost you, but it can never cost you as much as it cost God to redeem you, and the rewards of following Jesus are eternal. One of the greatest hindrances to the work of God today is the idea that so many Christians have of what has been called cheap grace. Just say a prayer, believe, and then you're guaranteed to go to heaven no matter what happens later. The Bible doesn't teach this. So let me leave you with these sober words of Jesus Christ. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Your most valuable possession is your own soul. What could you give for your soul? If you would save it, you must give it up to Christ. If you hold on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life to Jesus, he will save it for eternity. I pray that you will do that very thing. Heavenly Father, help us to uh, cry out to you with passion as the psalmist did that you might restore your church today and help us to uh, just to lay our uh, souls before you and to give ourselves to you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus, that that restoration might take place in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friend, thank you for listening. We covet your prayers. Uh, the folks at the Bread of Life Anglican Church in Schenectady uh, want you to pray for them and for the work there. If you uh, live in the area, uh, the Bread of Life Anglican Church meets at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings at the, uh, Angl uh, the <laughs> American Legion Hall, which is at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. Now, as always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you.